So 1 Corinthians 14, um, last week we got through verse 10, and the, the title is Desiring the Best Gift. A lot of us, we talked about uh, this last week, a lot of people like gifts. A lot of people like presents. A lot, a lot of people love to get gifts. I don't know that many people that hate it. But there are some. I've, I've met people that don't, don't make a spectacle of me, don't bring in me anything. That ain't me, okay? Just kidding. Just I don't know what my hands were doing there. Just bring them. Bring the gifts. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but the desiring of the best gift was, was a, it, it's a call from Paul to the church to desire the best spiritual giftings. But before he talks about the two gifts, we're going to finish this up. And he spends a ton of time on them. So we really do need to focus on why he would dedicate almost an entire 25 verses, I mean, almost an entire chapter, to specifically the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. I believe they're very out of order. I believe they always have been in certain, and I don't want to just say denominations, but in certain churches around the globe, these two seem to have on a lot of occasions, some disorder to them. So he's going to straighten that out. But the first thing he says before I get to verse 11 is in thirteen thirteen. He says, now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Before we talk about giftings, before we talk about abilities, before we talk about you using your gift church, you using your gift member of the church, I want to continue to reiterate the love factor. The love is what's missing when you have a selfish church. The love is what's missing when you have a selfish believer because they won't put their preferences aside. It's like, no, 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 I have Christian liberty. No, no, no. You see these people on YouTube that are like, hey, officer, why'd you pull me over? Um, well, I'd like, to, I'd like to tell you that. I'd like to see your ID. Uh, am I being charged with a crime? Uh, no, then I'm not talking to you. I refuse to speak to you. Okay. They watch some YouTube lawyer who says, don't speak to cops ever. It's like, well, your negativity could affect the rest of the traffic stop, just so you know. I don't know. But all that to say... It's not a lot of love out there. You guys know this. The love in our culture is all but lost. Paul's trying to throw it in there. Guys, not only does it need to be in your individual life, it needs to be injected into the church. <clears throat> and lest we forget, the greatest of these is love. The greatest of all the things out there. I mean, a Christian who's, who's got huge faith, huge hope in Christ, and huge love, that's a Christian who's got everything going for him. Whether or not they have two gifts or one gift or five spiritual giftings, irrelevant. Because love is the number one thing. And that's how people get one to the Lord. By, by somebody seeing the love, the agape love of Christ displayed in a person who didn't used to be that way. Because they have been saved. So in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 14, I want to start. He says, therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Obviously, there's something with human beings that we label stuff and we give things letter uh, numbers of importance. People say to you, um, on a scale of one to 10, how much would you like to do this? And people have this number. Like we get that, we get numbers. We understand, you know, when, when somebody goes, uh, scale of one to 10, how much would you rather be in Florida right now? I don't know, depending on these mornings, probably a 10. Like I'd rather be in Florida a 10. When I wake up and it's 29, 
in the desert I'm supposed to be able to golf in all year round. That's just me. But that's kind of selfish. A lot of you people, you love these days. You love the like, Dan, isn't July enough to make you want this? Nah, because I'd rather call the Chicago people and be like, I'm golfing in January. What are you doing? Well, we're trying to shovel snow. That's very selfish. And so I, I, I take a step back and I recognize that I do want my Chicago brothers to have 10 feet of snow while I golf in January because they all call in July and they're like, oh my gosh, 140. What are you guys doing down there? Dying? We want preferences. We prefer certain stuff. He's saying, hey, I do prefer that you're zealous for the spiritual gifts. I do want you to be excited about them. I want you to desire them. As a Christian, you should. I don't know if you've ever been told that by a pastor or a Bible study teacher or whatever. You should want the gifts that the Spirit of God only gives you. You should want that. If you're a Christian and you don't want that, you need to reread some some portions of the text that show what Christian life really is. But apart from a shared understanding, he said, human sounds without a common understanding are worthless. You go hear somebody, uh, you know, at an airport and you're hearing them talk and you're like, if somebody goes, um, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can identify that dialect. Well, unless it's like German or French or something that's like spoken here sometimes, I mean, Spanish, any of us can decipher that. A lot of us speak Spanish, but something like Hungarian or uh, Czech, if there is a Czechoslovakian language anymore, I don't know. Slavic languages, Western, um, Russian countries, they sound similar. So you don't know. You're like, I don't know, Chechnya. I just throw a gamble out there. Name some country from the game of risk. I don't know. But you don't get anything from it. You can hear it and you're like, that's kind of cool. I'd like to. I used to watch spy movies and I wished I could just like turn on a Russian. Like all of a sudden I speak Russian. All of a sudden I speak French. Like that's fake and it's cool. I like it. But if you don't understand the language, it doesn't do you any good to hear it. Certainly, if, you re- if you've never heard the language spoken it's, it's, it's like you're a foreigner. It's, you're not going to get anything out of it. He's talking about tongues in 13. He says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue, pray that he may interpret for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. There's a lot in this, but we were never taught this. I went to a Baptist church and the Baptists, I don't know that they would have said outright, this gift does not exist anymore, but we kind of acted like it. And we kind of acted like 1 Corinthians 14, we do not talk about. Well, I know, but it's in the Bible. How can we keep chopping around and, and hopping over stuff? Well, because they don't, that doesn't, certain denominations don't like certain stuff. And so if they're not really a tongues church, they just bail on it. And this is true. <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of the, I'm not going to just say Dallas Theological Seminary, but a lot of the guys that were teachers of mine that went to Dallas they would think that they're like, no, no, this was a different, this was apostolic age kind of fading down. Uh, it was used back then for certain stuff like acts two, but not anymore. We don't ever see that in the, in the scriptures. We don't say that God, like the gifts died in AD 94 and just throws out a number. No, the gifts are the gifts and they continue until they have accomplished first Corinthians 13 until they have accomplished what they will, but love will be the one that stays the gift. So interpretation is necessary. You may have the gift of tongues and people go, well, I don't understand how that works. Well, have you ever woken up and you're a little foggy and somebody asks you a question and you have to think about the words you're going to use and you're like, okay, I want to say this. Tongues people that I've listened to talk about them speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. That's what they say it's like. 
I, I, I hear these things, these sounds in my head and I say them, but I don't, but the language sounds like Russian or Hungarian or something. I've heard people say that. I've heard a lot of people say that in the last uh, week. And so they don't understand what the words are, but they're praying in the spirit. They're activating the spirit of God using this gift. And that is blessing and praising God. That's what that's doing. And he's saying, so if you guys do it, pray that you can interpret it. This church was going nuts. People were just like, first off, there's no order in the Lord's Supper. There's no order in potluck. There's no order in meetings. They called it meetings. Like this would be a meeting. But people just, there was no leader. They just, everyone just spouted off tongues at the same, at the same time. Like, like just, and I, I've been, I, I was at a, uh, I was at a retreat years ago. Um, and it was a church. I'm not going to say the denomination, but it was a church that, that speaks in tongues a lot. And, um, this specific retreat, I was actually, I booked it for them, um, because I knew the owner and I was cooking, I was helping cooking with a friend. And then I went in to hear their, it was a youth group. It was a high school group. And the, the preacher was just like, he was young and he was dynamic and he was crazy and he was screaming. And it was like, whoa, this guy's like, I mean, it was, it was, it was something to hear this guy. It was very, very young to be that good. But the, the shouting was a little, it was difficult because I felt like I was being screamed at. And at the very end, he's like, who wants to receive the Holy Spirit? And all the kids came together and they just went tongues crazy. So it's like, it's like a football play where the running backs underneath and there's like 50 guys. Like, it's like a group of people all like on shoulder touching on another and everyone's talking in tongues at the exact same time. And I just felt like, I'm like, oh, I don't belong. I don't have that. We're, we're both Christians, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not invited into that. I can't do that. And maybe some of them didn't even have the gift, but they were like, to fit in, you got to act like you got the gift. So you got to, you got to say stuff. And it's so, there's so much noise and craziness going on that it doesn't really matter if you have it. Cause it sounds like you ever like shut your eyes when in like a lobby with a hundred people and you're like, this sounds weird. Like a bunch, everyone's speaking English, but it just sounds like blah, 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 because it's a bunch of people talking at a normal volume over one another, but because they're talking close to one another, you just hear the sound. It doesn't sound like English anymore. It just sounds like murmury, you know, junk. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because that's how it is when 20 different people are talking in a group setting afterwards. He's saying, you guys, this is what's going on in your church. What if somebody walks in and they have no idea what the meeting is? They have no idea what this is. They're like, hey, somebody invited me to this place. They said, hey, why don't you come to my church? Seven o'clock Thursday night. The dude walked in and there's like just tongues rapid fire, like fireworks. They're like, I don't understand anything in here. This is weird. Pray that you can interpret. He goes, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That's why you need to pray. If you're going to do this in front of people, you need to pray that you have an interpreter or you have the gift to interpret. It says in uh, verse 15, what is the conclusion then? Because this is a long, long letter about tongues and prophecy, mostly tongues, because tongues was the gift of choice for them, and tongues was the, um, the, the, the gift they were using the most in these meetings, um, just, just unbridled, like no order of any kind. So what's the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with understanding. Understanding is key. Interpretation is key. When you have a gift, 
be sure that you're using it for not only for God's glory, but to build up the church. Use your whatever your gift is. Like I said before, people rate gifts. They rate stuff. How much do you like this? I mean, there's a million surveys, right? Get off the phone with anybody. Can you stay on the phone for one minute survey? Uh, how great was zero to five was the was this call center person? I mean, it's just, we never it never ends with the zero to five or the zero to ten. We rate sins in our culture. Oh, he did that. That's that's much worse than a little white lie. We do that. God doesn't do that. There's consequences. You know, you murder somebody. There's a different consequence than if you tell a little white lie. Clearly, and that should be the way it is in our in a in a law based culture. But God doesn't rate the gifts. God doesn't go, oh, the evangelists, they're up top. Paul the Apostle, he's up top. I say that kind of jokingly, and I only said it because there's satire in there. Paul says in Romans, he's the chief of sinners. I find that hilarious. I really do. And Paul was being serious. He's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. But Paul's past was enough to make Paul, like, as they say, kind of keep him honest. Like Paul had killed Christians thinking that he was pleasing God because he thought they were doing something horrible. He didn't do it just because he loved malice. Like, I just love ill will toward man, not goodwill toward man. I just love to hurt people and and to do random acts of evil. No, it wasn't that. It was they're blaspheming God Almighty, Yahweh. I'm a rabbi. They say that Jesus is his son, and they say Jesus is God, and they say um, that Jesus is the fulfillment, and they're following. No, in Acts chapter 2, Paul was after these people. He pursued him far away. And so I think Paul had enough on his plate. It's like, how could I ever have done something like that? So we rate sins. We rate gifts. We rate somebody's ability. Five talent guy, 10 talent guy, five talent woman, three talent woman, whatever. We, we do that. We rate stuff. Some of, some of it's because we just, we're such a numbers people that we, it's how we understand stuff sometimes. But he's saying, look, understanding, interpretation, you have to let people in on this. If you're trying to bring people into the family of God, you can't be weird. You just can't be weird, you guys. You're out of order. He says in verse 16, otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? Give somebody the ability to know the God, speak in their language. If it's the culture around you, like Greek culture, um, Roman occupation, but Greek culture. They spoke Greek, a common Greek that almost everybody would understand. Do the meeting, prophesy, build people up, use their language. Unless you have the confidence to speak out and say, I know God's telling me to say this, and I know he's going to interpret what this is. Let the person that walks into your, occupies the place, comes into your church, comes into your meeting, let them be able to say amen at the end. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. This is, this is not Paul trying to show off. This is Paul trying to empathize with the people who go, well, you're being real negative about that gift, bro. You know, you don't have a lot of respect for tongues, and we all have the gift. And so we're a church, and you've, you've, you started us as a church, and God has sustained us as a church. Yeah, we have some problems, but we have this great gift, and, and what, are you, what are you saying? Well, I'm saying I thank God that I speak in the spirit, through tongues, more than you guys. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. It's a big, it's an acknowledgement that he does have the gift and does use it tons. 
And at the same time, I'd rather not, even though I do it more than any of you guys, I'd rather get up here and say, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. You understand that person who walked in up the street? Yep. Okay. Now what? Well, let's talk. Let's, let's share testimony. Let's see what, let's let this person in on what God's been doing in this church and in the hearts of, of the people. But once again, the out of order is this, the reason this whole Christian liberty, the last few chapters has been written is because they take their liberties above the person who walks in off the street, the person who brings nothing to the potluck, the person who's like, Hey, I don't really like seeing you guys like worshiping in the temple where somebody just sacrificed a huge prime rib to Zeus and then have you up there on stage saying that you praise God. It's a little weird for me to reconcile. Can you not do that? Paul's like, guys, give that up. Yes, you have freedom in Christ. Yes, you can walk into the butcher shop in the temple where the cheap meat is sold after it was sacrificed. And yes, your consciences are above that. But if you see somebody in there, don't walk into the worship service just to be like, oh man, these people are messed up. They don't know why you walked in. It's like somebody who walks into the wrong adult store. Well, when the person comes out there, oh, I was evangelizing to the people in there. (laughs) Really? Okay. Hopefully there was just a lobby before you walk into the other one and you talk to all the people in the lobby. Guys, like what we do matters. Where we go matters. What we say matters. He's trying to tell this church this and they just don't get it. And he says in verse 20, brethren, do not be children in understanding However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. He's he's telling them, hey, as it pertains to understanding, don't be little children. As it pertains to malice, ill will, doing the wrong thing, yeah, be be as innocent as a kid. Be as understanding about that as a little kid. Most kids that are three years old don't have malice in their heart for that. (laughs) It takes takes them going to Costco for years to get that. Sorry, sorry, I don't know where that came from. But don't be childish to understand. Be childish, meaning know nothing about malice, seeking to do harm. That's this is this is uh, Isaiah twenty eight eleven. He says, "With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me." This is a uh, <clears throat> an interesting, like when Paul would write this stuff. Paul knew the scriptures. Okay. Paul is one of those people who I believe had memorized the entire law and prophets. That's what I believe. I believe Paul, and, and if he didn't memorize it, you ever know like a verse where you're like, I know the verse really well and I could write down 90% of it properly. I think that's how Paul was. And so the spirit of God recalled this passage from Isaiah 28. <clears throat> I want to read uh, kind of a condensed quote about it. Isaiah 28 for context, 11 and 12. Israel is refusing to listen to God's message that the prophets had proclaimed, specifically Isaiah. Isaiah predicts another message that would be delivered in a tongue the Israelites would not understand. Yet, it was unambiguous. The foreign language seemed to symbolize God's rejection and therefore his disciplinary response to their rebellion against him. Foreigners became the temporary people of God. And this foreign tongue was a sign to Israel considering they would not listen to the very plain words of God that he had told them over and over again, of course, in their tongue. And so all of a sudden, they're not listening, not listening, not listening. What do we do to slap them upside the face? We have another group of people come in that are like, we're willing to listen to this God you talk about. Why aren't you guys? 
You're, you're the only representation of Yahweh on earth and you're not listening to him. So God brings in this, this group, you know, and, and how much, how much does anybody get mad? And I gotta be careful with, with things being brought and broadcast on the internet, but how much do people get mad when somebody that's not part of your family gets brought in and they get more than your inheritance? Like that makes most people mad, right? Like, Hey, who's this? Uh, well, so-and-so is, uh, now, uh, adopted into the family at the age of 17 and they're going to live in our house for a year and they're going to be one third heir of everything that I have. Uh, no, that makes people mad. And so for Israel to have anybody step in and for God to lavish his love or gifts or provision on another foreign people, non-Jewish people, um, would, would supposedly, I mean, it would make them mad, but maybe it would make them listen. And that's what he's doing here. That's what he's talking about. But the point is, there's other tongues that are being spoken and they understand it. Like this foreign group understands it. In Acts chapter two, there were Christians and non-Christians gathered from other tongues, other countries far away. And when the tongues of fire went out, people were like, I understand that language, but there's no way these guys speak that language naturally. But they heard praises to God and it, it blew them away and it softened their hearts. And they're like, God is God. Who else can do something like that? And they listened. Verse 22, Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. <clears throat> Therefore, in the, the whole church, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? I mean, that's the nicest way to say, you guys are nuts. And I went to that church and it's a weird church. I have been to two or three in my day. Um, I talked to you guys last week about the one, the Holiday Inn Church. It was whack. Like it just went, tongues went nuts and the holy hugs and the holy kisses and the, it was a little over the top at eight years of age to just walk into that. And like, there's like a bunch of us visitors and there's like a hundred people doing like just crazy stuff. Like, and, and the tongues are, there's a lady up on stage singing in tongues and somebody else is shouting in tongues. No one's interpreting anything. And I'm like eight. I'm like, we, we came for a movie. You know, we just came to see a movie that you got an evangelistic movie that Billy Graham's crusade put out or whatever. None of us wanted to come back. I'll just put it that way. Granted, we were from a Baptist church, very conservative, but we didn't want to ever come back. Like I I was actually scared. I was like, I don't want to hear that again. Whatever that was, I don't want to hear that again. It was terrifying. And so he's like, look, if you guys, if, if that particular group of like, like people that are just spouting off tongues. If somebody walks into your church and they don't know whether they were invited or uninvited, how are they going to know in the, what in the world you're saying? If anything, they're going to go, are you guys all out of your mind? That's what they're going to say. And Paul's, Paul's not trying to like get them to laugh. He's trying to get them to understand. But if all prophecy, excuse me, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. And thus, the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now, also, we, are, we live in an age where church is oversaturated. There's, there's 5 million teachers of YouTube that you can find today. That are, I mean, if you are looking for someone to teach you God's word, you can find millions of people. If you are looking for a copy of God's word, we'll give you one. Every church in this town that's a Bible teaching church will give you a free Bible. So they didn't have that. You guys know that. 
they had some of the scriptures, but not everybody had the whole canonization of the scriptures wasn't even, I mean, Revela- uh, uh, Revelation wasn't even written yet. So um, you can't have the entire word of God in the mid 50s, 60s, whatever. I, I can't remember offhand when this was written. I think it was earlier. So for somebody in a wild town like that, somebody in like a Vegas, somebody in like a, like this is a modern day Vegas on steroids. This place was nuts. For somebody to come into a group and be like, I want to go to that Corinthian church. They got to be stirred already. Like the spirit of God stirring them up already. Sometimes in our day, there's so much, or there used to be so much Christian uh, activity. There used to be like, hey, there's a crusade or there's a, there's a Greg Laurie thing or there's a whatever. I mean, there's been so much and post COVID, a lot of it's online now, but a lot of, there's so many events you could go to. That was not the case. There wasn't like Christian crusades on every corner out there. There was like a, maybe a couple of groups of Christians in the whole town. This was a big town. So somebody shows up and they're like stirred to find out the truth. And they hear somebody prophesying, this is what God says. That's going to build them up. And they're going to be like, I, I prayed that God would speak to me and I have heard him. Once again, they couldn't just go to Dollar Tree and pick up a, a, a King James Bible for a buck. They, like, they needed to hear God speak because there wasn't just scriptures everywhere, especially not in that town. So this is the, the kind of the conclusion of, before we get into the order a part of it, the conclusion of the tongues and the prophecy, the, the majority of it. But he said, he's using these two because on the one hand, one of them is very, very, very specific in the way Paul's using it in this context. The prophecy gift that he's talking about is somebody has a word of prophecy to share, and it's going to build up people. It's going to make people go, God is amazing. It's going to praise God. It's going to, it's going to encourage. It's going to exhort. It's going to make people want to go do stuff for God versus the tongues that were completely out of control. And he wasn't saying don't use them. He's not saying don't preach in or don't, don't use tongues, don't practice tongues, don't pray in tongues. He's saying, guys, if you're going to do it in a meeting, do it with some order. Don't just be like, I got to exercise my spiritual gift because I just want to. And I just want to prove that I'm, I'm a Christian because there is some truth to that. Like if you have that gift, um, I kind of envy that gift. It's a little mysterious to me. But to know that like, where does that come from? That only comes from the spirit of God inside of you, stirring you up to do this thing. Like it's something that I didn't understand for years and years and years. And I really, really, really wanted but at the same time, I probably asked, and I was a little bit like, I was listening to David Guzan. He's like, it's okay if you're like, I don't want that gift, God. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, thank God he said it. Because he's like, I look at David Guzik as, he's a pretty great scholar. And he's written a commentary for free on the entire Bible. Um, so I do use David Guzik a lot. And I do trust him. I trust the sources that he reads too. But I was like, oh, thank God he said it. It's like, it's okay to be like, hey, God, um, I would love to be able to teach or to help or be, you know, some, whatever, whatever the gifting you think you might have, but it's okay to be like, I don't really want that. It's okay. Like, it's okay to say that. Um, God's definitely not going to force tongues, you know, into your, into your life and into your mind. But just to wrap it up, spiritual gifts are an amazing presence in the life of a believer. They're, I I would say they're necessary. And if you don't, you, if you're a Christian, you have one. You may not know what it is, but you have a spiritual gifting. You have a spiritual enabling by God's Holy Spirit when he took up residency in your formerly dark heart. Okay, you have one. They're very, very important in the life of a believer. 
They should, however, never get in the way of loving people. Gifting should, and now you say, well, that's really, did you really need to say that? Unfortunately, Paul needed to say it. So I feel like we probably need to put it out there that it should never, your gift should never get in the way of loving people. It's sort of like stepping over the person at, at a huge event who's like, hey, would you please share the gospel with me? And you're like, excuse me, I have a stage to get on to. And they're like, I'm asking to be saved right now. I'm asking how you do it. Like the guys in Acts chapter two. Hey, men of Israel, how, how, what should we do to be saved? The greatest thing that any evangelist has ever been asked is that. Like, not just an evangelist. Everybody has some small gifting in evangelism. Like you can share the gospel with people and evangelize. You can do that. You may not be Greg Laurie. You may not be Billy Graham. That's fine. There's only a few of those out there. But stepping over a person who's like, excuse me, I'll I'll have time for you after my, do do you know who I am? Yeah, that's why I'm asking you. You're a Christian, right? No, 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 no. Do you know the position that I have? Don't use it to not love people. Don't use your position to not love people, whoever. We need to be trying to bring people to Christ. And and wherever God puts us, wherever your workplace is, wherever your ministry place is, wherever you are through Monday through Saturday, that your faith should be so real that people are like, hey, how come you don't go do that? How come you're not at Earth's Healing, Tucson Soul Weed Shop? How come you're not there? Oh, well, let me tell you why. The rest of us all go there at work, but not you. Stick out. Nowadays, you stick out like a sore thumb. Didn't used to be that way, but it is now. Unfortunately, these people, the people that Paul's really, he's not reaming the entire church. He's talking to a lot of people, but he's saying, hey, you guys, there needs to be order, but above anything else, there's got to be love. So maybe just take the tongues down a little bit in the meetings and have a teacher, a preacher, somebody that has a, a, a gift the gift of prophecy or a word of prophecy to give to the church, to build up the church and edify those that are there that know God and those that are there that don't know God. Secondly, there is no gift scale. Whether or not you think that there is, whether or not you've seen a spiritual gift test where, where evangelist was at the top and helps was at the bottom and there's, you can only have one of 30. That's a man-made list. That's a people list. That's not exhaustive. Spirit of God can do different stuff than what you've seen in the past. He can, he doesn't do the exact same thing. Jesus never healed the exact same way. Just read the gospels. You're like, huh, that was interesting. He did it that time, that way, because he wasn't giving a prescription. He wasn't trying to tell people, if you say these words and if you do these words, you will have my result. Because the spirit of God does what the spirit of God does and can blow people away and is not in a box. Although a lot of people try and put them in a box. So there's no number one spiritual gift. Hear that, please. The key is that you use your gift and do not squander it. You do need to invest in your gift. Like you would throw a hundred bucks in, you know, if you could get 8% on your money in a CD. Like you're going to get a yield if you give these people a little bit of your resources. If you leave it and you let time pass, don't let time pass without investing in your spiritual gift that you serve God's church in some capacity. Wherever God has you, wherever he puts you, we need to, all people that are in the family of God need to be serving his church, need to build the church up. To use your gift to lift up and build up the church. The worst thing in the world is when you're trying to lift. Have you ever seen these guys lift cars? And like, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, 
you look at a car, you're like, no way 10 guys can lift that. And I've seen YouTube videos where people lift cars. And it's like, if three guys on the side just were like, we're out, like in the middle of that, that thing's going, it's flipping over on those guys if they quit. So it's like, it's, it's a, it's a heavy lifting thing on one level. And at the same time, it's an all hands on deck deal more than anything else. It's not, it's not like you have to do this and this and this and this. There's a lot of people who do get caught up in that. They feel like I have to do so much for God. God has done so much for me. I could never pay him back, but I got to beat myself up for the rest of my life. No, God's yoke is easy. Yours is not. Human beings is not. We put so much else on ourselves that we can't get out of our own way sometimes. Just, I, I would love to leave you with this. Whoever you are, wherever you find yourself, seek God about your spiritual gift and how to be using it. Amen? Let's pray. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this text. And God, I do pray that it is that it is clear as we um, go into fellowship now. Uh, I do pray that you would uh, help us to understand what that gifting is, to be stirred by your spirit, to use it like people in this church were being stirred to use their tongues, that we would be stirred to serve, to love, to use our gifts, uh, to invest in those gifts, and to regularly be giving those, those gifts uh, to you and to serve your church and to build up your church. God, for those who are sick and for those who are uh, just falling away or drifting or whatever the case is, God, that you would bring them back, that they would know that they never have gone too far, that uh, you, as the prodigal son's father, you search for all of us when we get wayward, all of us when we stray, and that you just want to restore us uh, to fellowship. God, help us uh, to, to love this world, as difficult as that sometimes is. Help us to love this world. Help us to shine the light. Uh, into this dark world that we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name, amen.